My name's Jeff Cranston, and uh, I'm not the pastor any longer, uh, for the most part. You are, if you're visiting with us today, we welcome you. You are at the uh, Hilton Head Island campus of Low Country Community Church for just a few more weeks, uh, September the 11th on your fourth anniversary. Uh, we will be Hilton Head Island Community Church. Are you excited about that? I am. Congratulations. Pastor Todd is uh, in Bluffton today. I've told him don't mess it up. And uh, he told me the same thing. So uh, it's great to be with you again. Since I was with you last time, uh, I've become a grandfather. And I'm very happy about that. Thank you. I, I really didn't have anything to do with it, hardly at all. And, uh, but uh, little Callie Grace is three and a half weeks old uh, today. And... Um, she is in for it. This afternoon, I am going to babysit her all by myself. And uh, wait, what? So I'm, I'm asking people to come and help me. My youngest daughter, Emily, I thought, okay, I can do this. Emily will be there. And she says, no, Dad, I'm not going to be there. And uh, so this should be exciting. So pray for Callie Grace, C-A-L-L-I-E. Write her down on your prayer journal. Uh, this is another exciting week for us. Uh, this week we take our, our youngest off to college and uh, up to Clemson and leave her a week from today. So we're, I'm sure that will be very non-emotional and uh, wow. We are beginning a series today, three-week series called Splendor. You see the graphic in front of you and a uh, lady at our church has created that for us and it just makes you want to be in that picture, doesn't it? And because um, it's 78 degrees in that picture and it's 85 degrees in here. And uh, so if you're warm, I see some of you fanning yourselves, feel free. Uh, it's hotter today because I'm going to preach on hell. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Not really. Uh, Splendor. And we've, we've chosen that, that name because uh, we want, uh, we just thought it was a beautiful adjective to talk about an aspect of what we want to spend the next three weeks on. That's worship. And so today, uh, as Eric read, we're going to be in Psalm 96. If you have your Bible, open it up to Psalm 96. And we're talking about God being our creator, and that's going to be sort of the, the subtext and the foundation for the few minutes that I want to spend with you today. Uh, just our creator, God, as you look outside the windows here, you know, if you live here, this has become a rather normal scene for you. If you don't live here, this is like, wow, man, this is awesome. But I hope that even those of us who live here, that when you take a walk in on the beach or you go out in the boat or you walk on the trail or ride your bike somewhere, you never, ever grow tired of the beauty of what God has created. Um, it's just gorgeous. And uh, so we're reminding ourselves today he is our creator, God, and we're to worship him. And Psalm 96 talks about that a little bit, uh, but it also gives us some imperatives for worship because Worship um, has many connotations to it, many definitions to it. It means different things to different people. Um, some people, you know, equate worship to church, and um, they, you know, they consider, well, church is, is boring. The story told a little boy who asked his mother, he said, Mom, can you remember the highest number that you've ever counted to? She said, what? the highest number, Mom, that you've ever counted to. She says, no, I, I don't really know. 
And uh, she thought, well, what about, you know, he's asking this for a reason. So what, what about you? What's the highest number you've ever counted to? He said 5,372. And uh, she said, well, that's kind of strange, you know. That's sort of an odd number. Well, why 5,372? He says, well, when I got to that number, church was over. <laughs> and uh, I, I find no humor in that story uh, at all. He, he goes to our Bluffton campus, actually, the little kid. But, um, you know, there's an oxymoron in that story, and it's called a bored believer. And I really don't believe that when you meet with the triune God, when you worship God in the splendor of his holiness, when you exalt and extol him for his greatness and his strength and his power, when you are spending time in the presence of the one who has saved you from your sin, the last word that's going to come to your mind is boredom. There's no such thing as a bored believer. It's, that's an oxymoron. Like my favorite oxymoron is jumbo shrimp. That's exactly what a bored believer is. It's like jumbo shrimp. Just, it just can't be. Uh, many, many surveys tell some people uh, are asked, do you go to church? And they say no. And they're asked why. They say, well, it's boring. Well, I can understand there may be times in a church service for somebody who doesn't know Christ that it is maybe non-exciting to them. But if you name the name of Christ, if you are a Christ follower, certainly worship to you uh, cannot be boring when we're meeting with the one and only God. There's, there's an element of rejoicing in worship. There's an element of reverence in worship. There's an element, a big element of response. What, what do I do? How do I live my life in light now of, of who God is? Psalm 96 is a beautiful psalm. It's, uh, it, it's written... At the same time, uh, around the Ark of the Covenant in 1 Chronicles 16, being brought to its final resting place. And if you read 1 Chronicles 16 and you read Psalm 96, you'll see a lot of the phraseology exactly repeated. They, they sort of go hand in hand. It's a very seamless uh, psalm. It doesn't easily break itself up into divisions. It, it's it's uh, just seamless. And it's woven together, and I think it's woven together so beautifully to, to catapult us into deeper adoration and exaltation of our God. There's a, it's, a, it's a great missionary type of psalm because we're, we're told to go out and to proclaim his greatness to the nations. Uh, there's a call to sing songs and break out into praise in light of God's judgment and coming judgment and in light of the fact that we know that Christ is coming again, that, that our world is culminating to a time of judgment. And even in light of that, we're called to worship and we're called to praise. So let's pray together and then let's take a look at uh, what we can learn about the splendor of God in our lives. Father, we love you. We thank you for our time together this morning. We are before you as worshipers. We love you. We exalt you. We extol you. We uh, readily admit that you're God and we're not. And there is no one like you. So, Father, as we take a look today at Psalm 96 and in the context of being worshipers, it's our prayer not only that you would move us and teach us, but that you would change us so that more and more, day after day, we are worshiping you in your splendor, in your greatness, in your strength, 
because of who you are. We love you and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll guide us now through Christ our Lord. And God's people said, amen. This psalm answers as any good first paragraph of a news story does. The who, what, who, what, who, what, where, when, how, why. Who do we worship? Well, it's the Lord God. I mean, that, that's an easy one. But he's mentioned by name or by pronoun in, in almost every verse of Psalm 96. What is worship? Well, worship means to bow down or to fall down. Worship um, means to just place yourself before God and acknowledge, just as I did in the prayer, you're God, I'm not. Uh, how should we worship? Well, as you go through this, in verse 1, we're to worship him with music. In verse 2, proclamation. In verse 8, give him glory, bring him an offering, come into his courts. That's um, in the context of us today. That's come into the place where we worship him. For us, that's this room. That's this place that we call our church or worship facility. Um, it, it doesn't matter where we go, but he says, come into his courts and, and bring him praise. Uh, in verse 9, we, we worship him with our holy lives. In verse 10, we witness for him. That's an act of worship. Why should we worship? That's answered as well in verse 2, because God has saved us. In verse 4, because of his greatness. In verse 5, because of his power. And again, because of his splendor, his majesty, his strength, his beauty. In verse 13, God is righteous, God is true, God is our judge. So this is, these are reasons why we worship him. Where are we to worship him? Verse 3, we worship him among the nations. And in verse 6, in his sanctuary. And in verse 8, in his courts. So you can check that one off. You've, you've done that one today. You've come to his courts or his sanctuary to, to worship him. When are we to worship him? Well, it says here at 11 o'clock on every Sunday morning. No, actually it doesn't. It says, sing and proclaim his salvation. Do you remember? Day after day. There's never a time when we're not worshiping him. There's never a time as followers of Jesus where we're not to be worshipers. So I just want to share with you four uh, imperatives. There's four rationales. There's four ways, uh, at least in this psalm, that, that say, here's, here's how you go about it. Here's what you do in worship. Here's, here's why and so forth. If you want to follow along in your worship folder, there's an outline there. It's a pretty simplistic one, but... Um, I'm pretty simplistic, so I need it that way. Here's the first thing we see in verse 1 and the first part of verse 2. Sing and bless his name. When we come to worship, we come to sing and bless his name. Sing to the Lord a new song. Remember that new song part. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. In that verse and a half, three times we're told, sing and praise. Sing and praise. Sing and praise. Sing and bless his name. Sing, sing, sing. Anytime God says something once, it better have our attention. If God says it three times, we better really pay attention. And here three times in a verse and a half, sing, sing, sing. How's your voice? How's your voice? I, I was in the back today because I know how some of you sing and I didn't want to be in front to hear you sing. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But aren't you glad nowhere in the Bible does it say, sing to him in a beautiful voice. It just says sing. Some of you, God has gifted the gift of monotone singing. You find a note, you plant there, and you just stay there. <laughs> Others of you aren't even that good. 
Others, though, are, have beautiful voices. Here's the deal. It doesn't matter what your voice sounds like. All that matters is that you sing. We ought to be singing people. And I hope that you sing. I really do. And even if it's bad, it's, it's only bad to you, and it may only sound bad to the people around you. But that's okay. You're not worshiping them. You're worshiping God. And he just says, sing to me. And, and somehow, God takes our voices, and it sounds beautiful to him. And that's just another miracle, that God turns some of our voices into beautiful sounds. And sing a new song. The word new in the Hebrew means new. You might want to write that down. But it not only means new, it, means, it can also mean this. It can mean delightful, precious, or exquisite. Sing to the Lord something which is delightful to him. Sing to him something that is precious, that is exquisite to him. When I hear delightful, precious, and exquisite, I think of like a diamond or a jewel or something like that. Sing to him a new song. Now, I'll readily admit, I know you would never believe just looking at how youthful and everything I look to you that I'm a grandfather, but I'm a grandfather. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'll see how it goes after I babysit this afternoon, but so far, so good. And, you know, I find myself as I'm getting older, I'll be 50 in a few months, that I find myself fighting, acting like I'm 50. I'm, I'm not as readily, I'm, I'm finding I'm not as readily accepting of change. Anybody else with me? Yeah. Three people admitted that. Okay, there's more of us, but, you know, and I've heard about that, and I've never liked it in anybody else. And then I find myself going, man, it's just so much work to change. And it's so much to do this and to do that. And, but a new song. God wants new. And new usually means change. And I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you, I love singing the songs I know. I, I really enjoy singing the songs that I sang growing up. And I'll, I'll come visit a church or go visit a church. I'll be at a different church next Sunday. And I find myself standing there, and they'll sing a song. They have the audacity some of these churches, to sing a song that I don't know. And I think, you know, can you believe the nerve of these people? I'm a pastor. I, I know the songs that we, the church of Jesus Christ, ought to know all around the whole world. And anything beyond that, we shouldn't be singing it. Now, that's not really the right attitude to bring into worship. Let's, let's be honest. But I find myself standing there and go, well, I don't know this song, so I'm not going to sing it. And I'll be very honest with you, the first song we sang here today, I don't really know it that well. But I was reading the words, the lyrics. Man, I love that. And I recognized the tune, so I'm kind of singing slash humming the tune at the chorus. But then when Eric went back to the verse, I didn't, I didn't know how it went. So rather than get a bad attitude about it, I'd say, okay, well, this is a new song to me. So now I have an opportunity to sing a new song to the Lord. I love singing the stuff I know. But I do like it when Cynthia or Eric teach us a new song. And, and God says, the psalmist says in his word, sing to him a new song. Can you imagine what it would be like if you turned the news on today and you got the news from April? What is it? You're getting the news from today, you know, up to the minute. And do you notice now every channel you go on news, you go CNN, Fox, whatever it is, you go along, everything is breaking news now. Like 
breaking news used to mean something. Now it doesn't mean anything anymore. Everything's breaking news. And, you, you know, they, they fool you. But at least they're keeping you up to date on what happened yesterday, what happened today. They're not giving you the news from April or March. It's what happened now, what's happening now. And I just wonder as we kind of wrap up this first little point here, I wonder if, if, if some of us are reading old news in our spiritual lives. That I wonder, has it been so long since you've experienced anything fresh with the Lord that you find yourself now just sort of running on fumes of, of what God did for you in the past? But if, if we were to have a cup of coffee today and say, tell me what God's doing in your life right now. Tell me what, what God's teaching you from your time with him in the word. Tell me what it is that's breaking your heart about the things of God. Tell me where God's bringing you joy. Is there anything new? Are you having fresh experiences in your relationship to God? Does that make sense? It's not about you know, experience, but is there a sense of freshness? Or are you just running spiritually off of what happened five years ago? And I think that's a good thing for us to ask ourselves. Because he says, sing to me a new song. Bring something new into it. So sing and bless his name. Number two. This is the latter part of verse two and verse three. Proclaim his greatness internationally. Take a look there. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. So we're told how to extend his kingdom. We're told, proclaim his salvation. The word proclaim, as it's used throughout the Bible, often has with it the word picture of a trumpeter, of somebody standing on top of a fortress or a wall, blowing the trumpet, calling people to battle, calling people to a major announcement that's going to be made. There's a clarion sense to this, a heralding. You know, in, in old England, before the king would enter the room, the the heralds would blow the trumpets, da, 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 and you knew the king was coming in. And there's a sense of that in the word proclaim. You and I are out sort of blowing our horn about Jesus Christ. He says, so proclaim his salvation, and we're told when to do it. He says, day after day. Our message is the gospel, and our method is the good news daily, and our mandates to take it to all peoples. The only message we really have today, folks, is Jesus saves. And don't you agree with me? I hope you do. This world needs that message. Man. And people right now are, you know, things are crazy. And people are looking everywhere for hope. Jesus saves. We've got it. You blowing that, blowing that horn? I was up in Charleston this week and saw a big billboard for the CSS Hunley, the Confederate submarine that sank every time it went out. I don't know how they got guys to volunteer. Yep, let me on that. Went out three times, 21 people died. It's the only submarine. It was the first submarine to sink a, a ship in battle, in, in war, and sank the USS Housatonic up there in the Charleston Harbor. And they found it in 1970, and they brought it up 
uh, a few years ago, and now you can go see it. They're working on it and stuff like that, and it has its own museum. But I got to thinking about that. You know, it, it went out and did its thing. And in three trips, 21 crewmen were lost. And it's just a small, cramped space, and they sat there sideways, and they turned the crank, which was the propeller. And, um, and then they, every one of them who went on it died. Aren't you thankful that Jesus Christ has provided a way out for you? Instead of being trapped below in this, as it were, this ocean of sin, he gave his very life in order to rescue you and me from certain destruction. And because of what we received as an act of worship, the psalmist tells us, God tells us, he says, proclaim that message of salvation to all the peoples, to all the nations. In short, we're called to become world Christians who focus and pray for the evangelization of the world. We're part of a church. Man, we support missionaries all over the globe. At our Bluffton campus today, we've got some of our missionaries, the Westmans, who are in from Israel. And as you've been part of Low Country Community Church and, and, and going forward as Hilton Head Island Community Church, I know there's, there's still going to be very much a missional aspect here. But we're supporting missionaries in Russia and um, in Bolivia and in the uh, UK and in China and in Israel, as I just mentioned. And I mean all over the place, South Africa, um, it, we're just, just globally. Why? Why do we do that? Uh, we figured up in the, the history of our church, our church started in 1994. We've given well in excess of over $2 million to worldwide evangelization. Why, why have we done that? Because the world needs to know Christ. And we not only do it globally, we do it regionally and we do it locally. Because people need to hear. And one of the ways that we worship Jesus Christ is that we tell the world who he is and what he's done. Splendor and majesty, in verse 6, are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Splendor, majesty. There's a beauty to God. You know, I've been to India 10 times. And every time I go, I say, God, I'm fine if this is my last time. Feel free not to ever have me come back here. I'm good. But I keep going. And I've many, many times seen Hindu idols. And, and some of the Hindu idols are absolutely grotesque. They're, they're just ugly. And I'm, I'm not being insensitive or unkind to Hinduism here, but they're made that way. They're made to be grotesque. They're made to be ugly. They're made to have a number of heads and six arms. And I mean, they're just gross. They're made to combine the animal and the human. They're, they're really, they, they, if they don't do anything else, they certainly get your attention. But you look at them and you're, you're like, whoa. I'm thinking, man, people worship these idols. Not so our God. Beauty, holiness, splendor, truth, righteousness. That's the attributes of who we worship. And we're to proclaim that around the world. Let's go on to number three. While we, uh, oh, that's number four. Where'd number three go? Does anybody have any idea what number three is? Here it is. Express his greatness. Express his greatness. You read down through verses four through nine. I won't take time to read them again, but God's not just a tribal God. He's not just a, a God for a special group of people. 
We're to, we're, we're to express his greatness everywhere. We're to applaud him everywhere we go, to all the nations, to all the peoples. Jesus said it himself, go into all the world and, and, and proclaim and preach and baptize to all the world. And it has the idea of every ethnic group. One of the things I really enjoy so much at the Bluffton campus is that our second service, which meets right, they're meeting right now, and, and Todd's preaching right now. We should, let's pause and pray for them. No, there, we, we translate that second service live into Spanish. And as I look out, we have about 50 or 60 Spanish-speaking people who come to the second service, and they're sitting out there with headphones on, and they're hearing it in Spanish. And I'm just like, you know... Man, I'm, I, I, that just thrills me. And, I, and, you know, every so often we'll run into somebody who doesn't like that. Um, they don't stay long at our church because I make them very uncomfortable. We put, when we built the building, we put a translation booth in the back just for that. And I had a guy ask me, he said, um, so we're going to translate this to Spanish. I said, yeah. He says, are you going to check everybody's green card that comes in here? I said, well, I'd like to check yours, but you need to find another church, dude. Because that's just not of God. Especially if you get to heaven and God says to you, bienvenidos. That means welcome. God is no respecter of persons. Heaven is going to be every hue and color and language and tribe and people group. Thank God heaven is not going to all look like people who look like me. God's the God. He's like Baskin Robbins. What is it, 32 flavors? they got to have more than that now. Aren't you glad he's a God of variety? Are you okay with this? Because y'all are looking at me a little weird here. But it doesn't matter what color anybody is. Christ died for that individual. It doesn't matter where they live or where they're from. You know, we, we've prayed and prayed, God, give us the nations. Uh, in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 2 or Psalm 3, ask of me and I will give the nations as an inheritance to you. And you know what? Spanish-speaking people from Central and South America have poured in, poured in by the thousands. And so many people that look like me get hacked off about it. You know how I view it? God's bringing the nations here. We have an opportunity to preach the gospel to them. Let's take advantage of it while we have it. That wasn't in my notes. But, uh, boy, it's, it's, it's there. It's there in this text. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. And you tell all of the peoples, he says, all of the world, no matter where they're from, Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Now, when I say the word offering and you hear the word offering, say it out loud. What do you think of? Money. That's just a part of an offering. Bring an offering. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Offer your what? Bodies, yourself. So I can offer my body. I can bring an offering or a sacrifice of praise. I can bring an offering of praise to him. That's another offering I can bring. And then, of course, there's the offering of, um, uh, of finances. And as you leave today, at the giving box there at the back, and you, you, as you give, that's just another way to say, God, you're worthy. You're my provider. I'm giving back to you a portion of what you've given to me. 
thank you for being Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Lastly, number four, while we worship, we wait. The final thing that the psalmist says is, well, we're reading of the, of the Lord's reign and this sort of impending judgment in verses 10 through 13. The word judge carries with it this idea that God's sovereignty rules over the nations and he's going to judge everyone with fairness and with equity. It, it says that in here. He will judge with, with equity, the end of verse 10. Now, parents, you've done this. You've had to discipline a child. You've had to bring judgment because of something that your child did. And you said, okay, because you did this, you're going to have to stay in your room for an hour. Because you did this, you've got to sit in a timeout chair. Because you did this, you know, whatever. And here at some point, if you've been a parent, you've heard these words. Complete the sentence. But that's not fair. And you go, fair? You want fair? I'll give you fair. And you feel like you've been graceful already. You've, you feel like you've extended grace because you wanted to do more. That's not fair. He did it too. She did it. Nobody will say that in heaven. He says he's going to judge with equity. His judgments are fair. And there is in light of it, he's talking about this impending coming judgment where God's going to judge us. He's saying even in light of that, we still worship. Let me just remind you, if you're a believer... There's two judgments and two major judgments in Revelation. There's the great white throne judgment, which is for unbelievers. And then there's the Bema seat judgment in 1 Corinthians, the judgment seat of Christ. As a Christ follower, we're not judged on our sin. Christ has paid the penalty for that. That's been taken. That's been covered. We've been forgiven. But we are judged before Christ and what we've done since then. And so there's a judgment for believers. There's a judgment for unbelievers. But in every one of them, it's going to be fair. He says, even in light of that, I want you to be a worshiper. I want you to remember that God is in control. Listen, man, the world's going nuts right now. All we hear about is the economy, the economy, the economy. The world economy, the riots in England, um, the, the war on the front of Afghanistan, Iraq, um, the Iowa straw poll. Now, oh, joy of joys, we're getting into the election campaign season. I, I'm so excited. I can hardly wait. It just never ends. But man, if you listen to the news day after day after day after day, and some of you just fill your minds with, you're listening to talk radio in the car, you're reading the paper, you're following the stuff online, you're watching the news at night, man, you're going to be so depressed, you're not going to know what to do with yourself. How many of you know the world doesn't appear to be getting much better right now? Oh yeah, man's getting better, but... Give me a break. Did you see the deal in England? This week they helped this guy up who'd been hurt in the riots, and as they're helping him up, people are unzipping his backpack and they're robbing this guy. Yeah, they're, oh yeah, we're getting better. We're evolving to a higher plane. Man, we need God so desperately in our world. All I'm saying is take a break from that stuff every now and again and remind yourself God is God. God is in control. He is sovereign. He sits on his throne and the world and all the governments he establishes. I got to remind myself of that every now and then. 
but I don't want to forget in light of all of the bad stuff that I read and I hear and I see, God is still in control. And I got to worship him based on that. And it's a reminder of this, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And, and all of this is going to seem like nothing then. But hold on. And while you wait for Jesus to come again, worship him. Let me give you a couple of kind of takeaway things, some things that you and I can do just to put this into practice. And I've um, just given them to you there. Read a psalm every day. You say, well, that's so simple. That's the beauty of the thing. Just read a psalm every day. What do I do when I get to Psalm 119? It's got a thousand verses. I'll take a couple of days and read it. Read a proverb a day, 31 proverbs, 31 uh, chapters. Read a chapter of Proverbs every day. What, what are you doing to make sure that you're getting God's word in there? All right, you're getting all the other stuff in there. Kids are going back to school now. They're getting all kinds, you're getting all kinds of stuff in there now. Make sure you're getting the word of God in there. Secondly, listen to worship music every day. I don't know what you listen to, but make sure you're listening to some worship music, some stuff that you can just sing along to. I put, um, this morning getting ready, I put, uh, <laughs> it's just amazing. I can put music on my television. You know, you go to the certain channel, music comes out, you know. You know, hello, I'm, yes. golly, there's music coming out of my TV. <laughs> I can't hardly believe it. I still don't know how a fax machine works. I, I'm still back there in the 80s, you know. But man, you know, it's just nice. Just put it on in the house. Put it on in the car. Turn talk radio off. Turn off the news stations. Get a CD. Get something in there where you can listen to some music that's putting something of God into your heart and into your mind. And something you can just... And listen, when you're in the truck or the car by yourself, just sing it out, man. Be at the... I, I'll be, you ever pull up beside somebody at the red line? You look over there. I, just a couple of days ago, I look over. This guy is singing like a fool in the car next to me. And the reason I looked, he was in a convertible. He just, ah, ah, he's just singing. I'm like, dude, I can hear you through the everything over here. You know? J just sing to him. Get some, get some of that kind of music into, into. And then thirdly, get ready for Jesus to come back every day. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, ask him to rescue you from your sins. If you're a believer, make sure you're walking with him, that there's nothing going on that's going to cause you to be embarrassed if he came back today. Five thousand three hundred and seventy-two. May that never be said of any of us. Yeah, I, I counted that high because I'm a bored believer, man. No, that's jumbo shrimp. Can't have it. You get with God. You get in His presence, the one who saved you, the one who loves you with an everlasting love. You not only aren't going to be a bored believer, you're going to understand what it is to worship the Lord in His splendor, to worship your Creator God all that he is, and all that he has done. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that you give us these reminders. So as we live our lives, as we worship you, may we sing and bless your name, singing a new song to your name and proclaiming your name around the world, internationally, globally, regionally, and right here where we live in our own zip codes, may we proclaim your name. God, as we express your greatness to you and to those around us, 
we pray that you'll keep us ever mindful, Jesus, that you're coming again. And we say with John, as he wrote and ended up the book of, uh, the, the book of Revelation, he said, amen, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And we ask that that might be our heart cry as well. We love you, God. Continue to work in our lives that we might be worshipers who declare your splendor. We pray this in Christ's name. God's people said, amen.